Welcome to the Harvest Time Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here is today's message. You know, I think it's pretty phenomenal that we basically can say, hey God, uh, I want to challenge you to move on my behalf, and God wants us to challenge him for him to move on our behalf. God wants us to kind of dare him, if you will, to say, God, I want you to change me. I want you to alter me. I want you to do something significant in my life. Will you join us for a 30-day challenge, a 30-day dare, if you will, to say, God, I want to give you my life and see you do something significant with this, uh, with, with my life. Good morning, Harvest Time. How are we doing this morning? I'm sorry, you're more fun than that. Good morning, Harvest Time. How are we doing this morning? God is alive, and that's a very good thing. Amen. It is a very good thing. We stand in a wonderful newness, a fresh revelation that Jesus Christ has come to give us life and life more abundantly, John 10.10 says. And that's a very good thing. But the longer I've learned in my relationship with Christ, the longer I've lived for him, I've found that a lot of us, uh, though Christ does want to do so many things, he wants to give us that abundant lifestyle. He wants to give us freedom and joy and excitement and, and purpose, all those wonderful things. But the longer I have followed Christ, I've learned that my relationship with him resembles a little bit more of a come to Jesus and give. Come to Jesus and give. But a lot of times when I'm looking around in the Christian worldview that we see today, it's more of a come to Jesus and get. Come to Jesus and get. It's like, God, I, I want to give you my life so I can get peace, purpose, hope, freedom. All those things are very important and good, but it's more of a get mentality than a give mentality. And something on the inside, maybe it's just me, says maybe something might be a little bit out of whack. Maybe something, just something, maybe little, might be a little bit off the tracks. I don't know about you, but if I'm honest for a moment, um, I've lived a life where there have been moments of quiet desperation. Moments where I was all by myself and I felt like I was kind of saying, God, I know you love me and I love you, but God, is this all there is? Maybe you're a lot more spiritual than me. But in those moments of quiet desperation where I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm against a wall, I love Jesus, he loves me, but I feel like there's a little bit of something missing. I ask myself, and maybe a lot of us within this room, if we're honest, we'd, we'd answer that same question. I'm saying, you know what, yeah, I've kind of said to myself, is this really all there is? I mean, it's not like we don't love God. It's not a matter that we're going to throw, throw the towel up and say, I, I just give up. But it's, it, isn't there something more? I think there is. And I think it goes to that whole give and get attitude. Starting this 30-day challenge. Um... Jesus really does want to give us more than we ever can imagine. But I think our focus is in the wrong place. And in this 30-day challenge, um, I want you to take a moment. Take 30 days of your life to seriously inspect, you know, the direction of your life. Inspect what's on the inside. I want to ask you a very simple question this morning. Um, What is the primary focus of the New Testament? What is, if we were to look at the New Testament and we'd say, you know, what's the primary focus? What is God trying to say to us in the New Testament? What would that be? A lot of us are thinking right now about different thoughts, different ideas. And I think most of us would say that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He's died. He's resurrected. What a wonderful thing. But Jesus Christ is Savior. 
Wow, what a wonderful thing. I'd say that's great. That's wonderful. But I would say that is not the focus of the New Testament. Don't worry, lightning is not going to hit me or you. But I believe that the focus of the New Testament is not that Jesus Christ is Savior, but rather that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe it or not, if you look at the New Testament, Jesus Christ is Savior is found 24 times. That phrase in the ESV version. But actually the phrase Jesus Christ is Lord, get this, 500 times in the New Testament. The overwhelming, resounding theme of the New Testament. Yes, Jesus Christ wants to save us, but he still wants to go beyond that. See, I think a lot of us might be stuck at a salvation-based life with Jesus. We want God to save us from our past, but we don't want him to be Jesus Christ as Lord of our every day, of our future. And that's really what this morning today is about. It's really focusing on the Lordship factor. Jesus Christ is Lord. So what's the big deal? Great question. Um, I'll try to honestly summarize in the next 15 minutes a subject I literally have written a book on. It's called Sexy Jesus. Don't worry, lightning won't strike again. But it's a subject that if you do an in-depth study on that's near and dear to my heart, and, and I, I believe that if you just look at some of these 500 scriptures or maybe you grab that book and read it, you're not be blessed by finding out that God, yes, he cares about your past, but please don't sell him short there. He cares about your todays and your tomorrows. The big deal is this. We've accepted what I want to call an incomplete form of Christianity. We understand and rightly love that Jesus Christ is our Savior. That is a big deal. Someone who does save us from our past, but we haven't accepted the Lordship side of Christianity. The Lordship side. This morning I want to talk about that side. You see, it's attractive. It's, it, it's very attractive. It would be even sexy, as my book would say it, to accept a form of Christianity that just forgives us of our past. I mean, think about that for a second. Who doesn't want a form of Christianity that forgives us from all of our wrongdoings? It's attractive. It's appealing. It's, oh, I want that. I want someone, something, some God up there to forgive me. Give me a new slate. But do you stop there? I would call that sexy Jesus. A form of Christianity that just wants Jesus as our Savior, but we stop in the form of Christianity that doesn't allow him to be Lord of our everyday. See, God, God wants to forgive you of your past, but don't you understand? God is way more concerned about your future than what you did last weekend. And some of us have such a hard time from getting over our past. It's because we think that God sometimes is just Savior of our past. No, he's like, no, stop, 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 stop for a second. I got this crazy thing for you. It's called your future. But the only way I can give it to you is if you let go of your past. I want to save you of your sin, of your wrongdoing, but I want to be Lord of your every day. I want to be Lord of your future. And that goes into this whole thought of lordship and, and the focus of our life. You see, the tragedy of the church world is that we've been called to belief, but not obedience. Wow. Can you just think about that for a second? The tragedy of the church world today is we've been called to belief, but not obedience. Yeah, I want to believe in Jesus Christ. The verse says, believe on the what? The Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. See, a lot of us, we've got the belief down, but we don't have the lordship part down. And I'm all about the belief in him, but we've got to do something that goes beyond that. 
and it's found in obedience. How does Jesus affect your everything? If we were to title this morning, it'd simply just be that one word, everything. Look at the person next to you and say everything. Come on, say it with a little bit, uh, something more to that. That that was a little bit weak this morning. I want to help you out. Look at the person next to you and say everything. Thank you, a little bit better. Jesus, give, give it your everything for Pete's sakes. We can't even say the word everything with everything. It's kind of half-hearted. But God wants us to look at everything, not just our Sundays or Wednesdays, but our everything. See, what is lordship? Lordship, I think, is an end of rights on our own terms. It's an end of our own rights on our own terms. I like to describe it as the place where your will and God's will intersects. We've heard the phrase many times in the scripture that says that we're supposed to carry our cross and follow Christ. What does that mean? Are we picking up literally a wooden cross and we're trekking across America? How are you doing at Reem today? Here's my cross. Set that down while I do some work. No, I believe carrying your cross and following Christ is saying, God, here's where my will is. Here's where your will is. I will choose to let you be Lord in this situation and you win, not me. That's lordship. That's the obedience found in Christ. You see, it's easy to say that Jesus is my Savior, but it's very difficult to say that Jesus Christ is Lord of my emotions. Can you say that Jesus is Lord of my emotions? Or when something doesn't go your way, do you hold others hostage because things didn't go the way that you thought they should? You blame everybody, including your mother-in-law. Because things emotionally just aren't right. Or is the Lord, God, is he Lord of your emotions? Is he in control? Is is he number one? Is he boss of your emotions? Is Jesus Lord of your mind? See, it's easy to say Jesus Christ is my Savior, but is he Lord of your mind? Do you take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lordship of Christ? See, I got to be honest, in my life there comes thoughts and there comes things that fly through my my mind, whether they're right or not right, and and I've got a choice at that moment. I have a choice to let God just forgive me of my past or let him be Lord of my thought life. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lordship of Christ. And and I want to ask you, I'm glad Jesus Christ is your Savior. What a wonderful thing that is. Don't hear me playing that down, but I got to ask you, is that where your Christianity stops? Is he Lord of your mind over your thoughts? When a wrong thought comes in, men, do you take that thought captive and make it obedient to the Lordship of Christ? Women, when an insecure thought comes in, do you take that thought captive and make it obedient to the Lordship of Christ? See, those thoughts are extolling themselves. They're saying, I am greater than the God of all gods. And do you take that thought, bring it back down off that throne of your mind and says, no, you're not, my friend. My God is my Lord and he will reign, not this thought or this image. That's where it's at. You've got to decide if he'll be Lord of your mind. Is he Lord of your will? When you don't feel like making the right choices, God, Lord, over your choices. Or do you just, you know what, bypass it when it's really not how you feel for that moment? Is Jesus the driver's seat of your life? How many of you, your backseat drivers? Come on, hands up, hands up. Come on, you're lying right now. You're lying. Some of you wives, you need to be nailing your husbands. Uh, you know, here's the thing. A lot of us, we're backseat drivers, we're, we're, and, and we like to be in control. And, and I think the wonderful picture of lordship is, hey, you strap on the passenger seat, and you let God drive. 
You let him be boss. You let him call the shots. Uh, S.M. Uh, Zimmer makes a sobering statement about the lordship of Jesus Christ. He simply says this. You've heard it before. Unless Jesus is Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. Wow. Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he's really not Lord at all. You see, when the lordship of Jesus is a settled issue within your heart, it takes care of everything else. You're like, Josh, this cool issue and all, I appreciate you bringing this up, but can we talk like about friendships or can we talk about like money or something that I do? No, you don't understand. See, as a pastor, I have the wonderful opportunity to share on all those things, your time, your talent, your treasures, all these things that affect your Christian walk, your work walk, everything that goes on in your life, your family. But when the lordship issue is settled, everything else falls under, underlying that. Everything else takes care of itself. Because when God is truly number one in every area of your life, when you've got that lordship issue resolved, all the other things take care of themselves. Jesus raised this important question. He says this, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you do not do the things which I say. Are you doing what the Lord has instructed you to do? Are you doing it immediately and exactly? Are you obeying God? Can I ask another hard question this morning? Simply this. Is your obedience up to date? I know you love Jesus. I know you follow him. I, I know he's your savior. That's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. But is your simple daily obedience up to date? Not a list of rules and regulations. Not this form of religion, but we deny the power thereof. But is your obedience up to date? See, it's the key word again, everything. Is God really Lord of everything? See, Christianity, salvation is free. But it definitely isn't cheap. Wow. Think about that. Christianity, salvation, my friends, is free. But it wasn't cheap. It cost him quite a bit. Is your obedience up to date? See, God, I think, is asking us today, is he really Lord of your life? Is he Lord of your finances? Is he Lord of your success? Is he Lord of your status? Is he Lord of your family? When God is in control, it adds meaning to all those other, all those area other areas. It adds definition to all those other areas. And, and I think a lot of times it's like we're trying to shove God into the area of our family. Or we're trying to shove God into the area of our finances and make it just work. We're trying to fit God into all these specific areas. But when God is Lord first, everything else, it's an outflow. It's an outflow. I think um, when God's in control, it makes a huge difference. It's also a matter of trust. Do you think God can handle, do you think God can handle your life better than you can? I know a lot of us think so, but then I want to ask you another question. Then why do you have to have control? Let's face it, we're control freaks. We're the control freaks. We want to control um, our relationships. We want to control our family, our situations, our future. 
But God hasn't called us to be God. Don't you understand that it's so easy for a lot of us to serve God when the real God we're serving is ourselves. It's really easy to obey God when realistically we've made ourselves as the Lord of our life. We're obeying our desires, our wishes. It's not a matter of obedience. It's a, it's a matter of obeying our selfish gratifications. But God hasn't called us to be God. He's called us to be ourselves. And, and I think the control issues are really trust issues. <laughs> the less we trust God, the more we have to control Wow, 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 wow. The more that we have to kind of operate things in our own strength, maybe it's the more we just don't really trust God. Who's Lord? Who's boss? Who's in control of your life? If you read Acts, if you want to go to Acts 10, verses 12 through 14, there's a, a very interesting story. God had given the disciple Peter a vision of a sheet which there were all these different um, types of four-footed animals, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. Um, it was before an Israelite man or any Israelite was allowed to eat any of these items. They were considered unclean. And Peter saying what he thought was a very religious answer in uh, verse 14 of chapter 10. And a voice came to him, this God, Rise, Peter, kill and eat these things. But Peter answered, not so, Lord. See, this is where I personally believe that God made barbecue, steak, and hunting good for mankind. Can I get an amen up in here? Mm, I had an incredible steak a few days ago. God was there. I say, it was wonderful. I can't talk about food. I am little, but I can put it down. I will take on Marty any day, any time, any hour. But what's happening here is God is making what has been unclean, what has been something that is not okay for a Jew male to do. He's saying, no, for all history, the new covenant, my son, the resurrection, all that's happened. There is a new covenant now. This is clean. You as a Jew or a Gentile, you can eat these things. And Peter's response to him is not so, Lord. Peter had a chance to obey in the situation. But Peter, from his religious mindset, said, and I quote, not so, Lord. Let me illustrate it this way. You have a choice. You can either cross out the not so in this verse, in your passage, in your Bible. And what do you have? Speak it out loud with me. Lord. You have Lord. You can cross out that not so and you will have Lord left. And that is your obedience. Or you can do the opposite. You can make the other choice. You can cross out Lord. And what do you have left? Not so. Which one are you in your relationship with Christ? Are you a not so Christian or are you just simply Lord Christian? God, I give you myself, Lord. See, each and every one of us, we have a choice. It might be an even a really religious one where you think you're doing the right thing like Peter, but basically he's saying not so. You can never say not so and Lord in the same sentence. You choose one or the other. You choose one or the other. You can never say not so. And Lord, in your own life, you choose one or the other. I know you love Jesus. I know he saved you from your past. Thank God for that. But is he Lord of your every day? How's your obedience? How's your obedience? This morning, just to close, I want to ask you, is Jesus your everything? 
Is he your everything? Is he your every action? Is he your every obedience? How's your obedience quotient? Is Jesus in your life? Everything. I know you love him. I know, I know he matters to you. But can you just stop for one second? Stop. Put the religious mindset on pause. May we darken the room. May we cl- open up our heart, open up our mind. And we say to ourselves as we listen to these words, God, in every area, are you really everything? Is he your everything? I, I know he's your savior. I, I know you love him. Sometimes those words just, they roll off the tongue a little bit too easy. God, you're my everything. Really, are, are you my everything over my thoughts, my emotions, my, my choices, my actions, my, my family, my... Is he your everything? Just in the wonderful atmosphere that's in this room, I, I like to bring it to just a place of just really reflection. If you don't mind, can you just close your eyes, bow your heads for a quick second. And in the stillness and the intimacy that's in this room, the realness that's here this morning, God's God's spirit is here and I think he's smiling. He's, He's smiling over the balcony of heaven because he knows what's about to occur. If you're in this room right now and you say, you know what, Josh, I love Jesus. But man, there there is an area within my life that man, God has just not been everything in. Remember, if Christ is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And I think there's some phenomenal Christians within this room that if you were to take some, some reflection, some personal reflection in this moment right here, right now, you say, you know what, Josh, I, I'm going to stand with you. I, I'm personally going to stand to represent God. I, I need to give you some areas in my life that maybe, maybe you've saved me from, but God, you're not really everything in right now. You're not really Lord in. If you're in this room right now and you join me and say, you know what, Josh, there there are some areas within my life that I want to just make a fresh rededication. I love Jesus. Me and him may be great, but I want to make a fresh dedication in my life to say, God, I want you to be Lord of literally everything. If that is you this morning, I want you to just think of whatever area that might be. I want you to just stand your feet as a proclamation to say, God, I want you to be Lord of everything. It might be your family. It might be your will. It might be your choices. It might be your emotions. It might be your grandchildren. I don't know what your issue is. It might be your thought life. Make that proclamation and say, God, I want you to be Lord in that area. Be Lord of everything. Some of you need to count the cost and say, oh, you, you, God, you sure? Yeah, 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 I'm sure. All right, I'm, I'm standing on this thing. This matters. May God not just be your Savior. I'm glad he's forgiven you of your past. What a wonderful thing. But may it not stop there. You can't hold on to your past and God give you a new future. Anyone else? Saying right now, I just need to make Jesus Lord. Maybe that one specific area that I've held back for a while. That one thing that that I was hoping God wasn't going to notice in. Or I love God, but maybe he hasn't been Lord in everything. Anybody else just stand and say, that's me, Josh. If it doesn't feel too weird or strange, you mind just putting your hands over your heart just as a as a way of just symbolically saying, God, I'm giving you my heart, my life afresh. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every wonderful individual within this room. What a wonderful celebration 
a wonderful choice to say, God, God, we thank you so much that you've forgiven us of our past, but God, we want to obey you today and tomorrow. We want you to be Lord of our everything, God. We want to give you everything. God, be our everything and our doing, our thoughts, our actions, our family, our, our everything, God. Simple words to say, but God, when we go out these doors, it's a little bit different, God, but be our everything. We give you ourselves afresh. We give you our lives, our thoughts, every aspect. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Be our everything. That's all for today. Thank you so much for being with us. We would love for you to join us next week for one of our two Sunday morning services at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. For more information about Harvest Time, you can always visit us online at harvesttime.net. Remember, Harvest Time is your family for life. We'll see you next week.